With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes. They got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. In fact, they just made a new shipment. Uh, my listeners get 10% off using the promo code PLATTE. That's capital P-L-A-T-T-E. Link is in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti-Forever USA today. Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, a solo podcast, but a big podcast. Today, I'm talking about more than just DeMarcus Cousins' trade to the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm talking all the rest of the trade drama you can imagine. I have my phone by me to stay up to date in case anything breaks. I will break it on air. Um, you know, I to put this in context, it is re- being recorded at 8.41 p.m., and I know that fans usually get the podcast earlier in the day on Tuesdays, but today I actually recorded a podcast around 1 p.m., and the audio files were corrupt thanks to GarageBand, and I didn't want to make fans wait an extra day, so I decided to get it up tonight. So again, I'm recording is now 8.42 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, and I'm going to try and get this up as fast as possible before anything I say gets outdated or um, or any major changes happen. So again, it's not just going to be Cousins. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to get to the Lakers moves. Uh, I, that's actually where I'm going to start. And then later on, I'll get into the other trade deadline news. So I said I wanted to start with the Lakers news. And the reason why is it did break today. So for those of you that didn't hear, Magic Johnson has now been named president of basketball operations and Jeannie Buss has relieved Mitch Kubchak as well as uh, Jim Buss of their duties as as general manager. Um, again, Jim Buss's role was uh, executive vice president of basketball operations. And so with Magic being president of basketball operations, it is said that he will bring... Uh, he will bring his agent and longtime, uh, longtime sports agent who has longtime ties to the Lakers organization, and that is 
uh, Rob Pelinka, I believe is how you say the last name. And so he will now be the Lakers GM. And uh, he's expected to start soon. This is kind of an odd time. I would have expected them to start after the trade deadline. But the Lakers, not only did they hire, hire Polinka as a GM and Magic as the president of basketball operations, putting a new face and what will be the start of many changes for the Lakers organization structure, excuse me, but it will also, it will also mean that uh, Magic's made his first trade. I believe, I believe Magic will be credit for this. I'm not entirely sure, but Will Williams is now heading to the Houston Rockets as of 35 minutes ago. Uh, Will Williams will be traded to Houston for Corey Brewer and a first-round pick from the Rockets. Interesting haul for the Rockets. Not entirely sure why Lou Williams was a guy. I would have, if I was Houston, I would have rather have taken maybe Nick Young uh, or or shopped around or shopped around try to get a better wing player like a Cephalosha who they've been rumored to look at forever or PJ Tucker would have been nice but it seems to me that with the Lou Williams trade that the Rockets think that they needed another ball handler which you know is not entirely uh, a terrible decision Lou Williams is a lights out shooter yes but I think the reason why they chose him over Nick Young over uh, P.J. Tucker, guys who have equal value to Lou Williams. I think the reason why they did that is because Lou Williams is a ball handler and gives them another dimension to the offense. Again, their really only true ball handlers are Eric Gordon and James Harden. And so with Eric Gordon having a huge injury history question, it, it is actually pretty smart for them to get another ball handler and play initiator. Williams can play off ball or on ball so that that is a nice get for them I would have expected them to get more of it three like a, a, a guy who could defend the wing players very well so that was that was what more what I was looking for was the three and D player but Lou Williams gives them uh just another offensive playmaker as well as a shooter so interesting move not sure if it was the right move but you know I I see both sides of it I personally would have liked for them to, like I said, get a 3 and D player because I think that wing defense is more of a need for the Houston Rockets than a ball handler. But I see where they're coming from. So that was the Lakers news. Um, I think I think it's interesting to see. I think it'll be interesting to look for what other changes happen with the Lakers, what other changes Magic brings about because it seems like with magic coming in it seems like it's not just one move it's going to be a series of moves and you know i've heard a lot of people talk about what magic johnson will be as a gm my thoughts are simply and for those of you that have heard this i've said this on podcast i think a couple weeks ago maybe even less was I believe that nobody evaluates talent like players. I think game recognizes game. I think that phrase is very true. I think that there is this inner circle amongst players. Same reason why Andre Iguodala tweeted in like 2014, who wants to start KD to the Warriors in 2016? Players just seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve most of the time just because 
I, again, the players don't tell the media everything. The, the media doesn't see everything. The media's at practice every day for the most part, but they're not... They're not on those team planes most of the time. They're not, you know, they're not in those little moments. And, you know, the, and, and especially over the summer, like a lot of players do private workouts that the media doesn't really know about or find out about. And so I, I think that players just playing against each other and, and I think they have a greater attention to detail. And again, Magic brings that approach, obviously being one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He's going to have supreme knowledge and recognition of, of players, especially guards, I think. Uh, but overall, but talent overall. Magic is a guy who I believe is very smart. One of the highest IQ basketball players in NBA history, of course. And one of my favorite players in NBA history. But I, I, I think here's, here's the line where I draw, though, with a player being a GM. Because there's a difference between a player giving input and a player being a GM. And I think we're seeing this in Sacramento. Um, we're seeing this with M MJ is not the greatest decision maker. Uh, he was, he was kind of horrible. He's kind of, he's kind of gotten into shape. He's gotten a little bit better with making moves and being, uh, I don't want to say being more involved because I think he was always involved. Uh, I just think he's become smarter in the decision making process and evaluating talent process. But, the the thing is is like these scouts people don't understand with these scouts that they go to these games uh St. Mary's versus Vanderbilt in the middle of January that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of college basketball but you know what it's 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 those games where you really get to find out what a player is scouts do so much work so much extensive extensive work that is why the Warriors hit on the draft almost every year. That is why the Spurs hit on the draft every year because they have they trust their scouts. Not their uh, their general manager is very active. He goes and scouts a lot of games, and he is one of the most invested and heavily connected. Uh, he has a bunch of resources, and you you guys know the GM I'm talking about, RC Buford of the Spurs, has very strong connections and is very involved in the process and magic is a celebrity um magic's a guy who has been a incredibly successful businessman since his uh post-playing career and with that comes obligations and ties to businesses you know and so i, I i'm not saying that can hinder i'm not saying that will hinder uh, Magic's decision making, but I'm saying it will all it will restrict his time uh, because Magic has inquiries outside of the Lakers. Magic is going to be doing things outside of the Lakers. He's not going to be exclusively Lakers. Not saying he's not dedicated, but just saying that he has other business inquiries that he's invested in and watching for. And that time away could be used scouting. And I don't see Magic as a guy who's going to scout a lot of games. I see him showing up to the big games, the games that really matter, like the NCAA tournament games, the, the conference championships or whatever, but I don't see him going to those meaningless games in January where um, to scout a player. And you know that those are the moments that really make the difference, that really define a player, um, a player evaluator, I should say. And 
that is the biggest part of general manager um that's the biggest part of being a general manager it's not just scouting and it's not just scouting uh you know college and international players it's scouting nba players too magic's got to watch a game uh, a charlotte versus sacramento on a tuesday in december and uh he can't you know he 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 can't just watch the marquee games or you know the one or two games a year the lakers play an eastern conference team he's got to watch extensive games against other teams against other matchups to see how players react how they play and you know because i mean you could catch a player on a hot streak if if a player is having a very good december and you think he's really good you go all in you find out it was just a hot streak and then all of a sudden you're left with this player that is very underwhelming and you gave up too much to get him and that's another thing too is the business side and the in the, the salary cap stuff all that stuff is very very tricky now again he magic will surround himself with people um Rob Polinka is an agent, so he kind of, so he, I shouldn't say kind of, he does really know the cap um, situations and everything, and he knows how to negotiate, so that's very, it's it's very interesting, but again, it's his first time in the position of general manager as well, so I think overall, I think Magic and Rob Polinka coming into this new is very dangerous for the Lakers. I think it's very dangerous for the reasons I outlined. Again, I don't know how committed Magic will be to scouting. I don't know how committed he'll be to um, to looking at not only just scouting uh, prospects, but also scouting NBA players and, and evaluating trades. I don't know how dedicated he's going to be. And maybe dedication is the wrong word. And maybe it's not fair to imply that, but, you know, Magic Johnson's a celebrity. He's living a celebrity life. He lives a different life than R.C. Buford. As Colin Coward said, which I love this point, he says, people don't recognize who R.C. Buford is. People can bump, people in San Antonio can walk up to him on the street, bump into him, and not know it's him. Magic Johnson can't go anywhere. He can't go to Antarctica without being recognized if there's people there. Magic Johnson is an icon, a celebrity, and with that comes different responsibilities, quite frankly. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I think these two moves are far from the last moves the Lakers make as far as uh, organization structure, and I think it will be very interesting to see where the Lakers go from here. But let's, let's move on to Cousins and then other trade rumors. All right, so DeMarcus Cousins, wow. This uh, this hit out of nowhere. People who have been listening to my podcast for weeks know that I've said, I said Carmel wasn't getting traded. I said DeMarcus wasn't getting traded. I said Jimmy Butler's not getting traded. Paul George, you name it. Everyone who was on the block, I thought it was just all BS. I wasn't buying it. And then when I heard the rumors... Over the course of All-Star Weekend, I didn't he- I wasn't totally plugged into Twitter. I was kind of off social media for the most part the weekend. So I wasn't totally in tune with the, all of the rumors. But I've seen rumors here and there, and I'm just like, ah, man, that's not... That's, that's just the Kings being the Kings. Because for those of you that don't know, there's been a long divide between DeMarcus Cousins and the Kings organization. Uh, there's been people who want to trade him and want him to get the hell out of Sacramento and there's people like Vivek the owner 
who love him slash hate him. They bounce back and forth. And it's it's just a very messy and dysfunctional organization. But ultimately, they decided to make the trade because they tr- traded DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins rather and Omari Caspi for a top three protected first round pick from uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and a 2017 Philly, Philadelphia second round pick as well as Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, and Langston Galloway. And as a result, with the with the Kings sorry taking in three players and giving out two, they, they have to waive a player, so they will waive Matt Barnes to complete the trade. So what changed? Why did DeMarcus Cousins finally get traded? Why was, after all these years of rumors, why was this the time that he got traded? Well, the reports are Vivek continued to flip-flop. So it, it's it's a belief. It's not really confirmed, but it's a belief within sources uh, that sources inside of management jumped on the chance. It was almost like it was almost like hurry up, Vivek, Vivek wants to trade Cousins. Let's do it before he changes his mind. And they kind of just jumped on the chance. Uh, that that's that's the way they're looking at it. Um, and why this trade specifically? Because the Kings did search for. A lot of options they contacted a lot of teams but the reason they ultimately chose this trade was I think it was the only trade Vivek was going to sign off on because as I'm sure you've seen the hilarious quotes today yes the owner Vivek thinks Buddy Heald is the next Steph Curry he thinks that this kid is so good uh, you know and for those of you that are watching that are listening to the podcast rather and have watched the NBA this season no Buddy Heald is just a 23 year old kid who has made less threes than DeMarcus Cousins the center they traded for that's like the stat of the day is that Buddy Heald's made six less threes than DeMarcus Cousins but um uh, again I think this was the only way they were doing that trade was because Vivek was so in on this Buddy Heald guy. And I don't think that Vivek would have, because of his history of wavering, I don't think they were going to accept any other offer um, that they got. And I and I think that's why. Because clearly this is a 30 cents on the dollar trade. You look at the trade objectively. DeMarcus Cousins and Omar Caspi are the two best players in this trade by far. Then... For DeMarcus Cousins, you get a top three protected first round pick. You don't even get it unprotected. You get a top three protected pick in 2017 from New Orleans. Uh, You get Buddy Heald, a guy who has struggled since joining the NBA. Now, granted, he is only a a rookie. I know people want to make the big deal that he's 23 and he's struggling in the NBA. He should be ready. No, you shouldn't. No, the NBA is different from college whenever you come whether you come to league at 19 or 24 or as Pablo Pirgioni came in at like 27 or 30 or something like that like it doesn't matter when you come to the league it's still a transition it's still a learning process look at Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler was not highly recruited at all um, as far as as far or not highly scouted as far as NBA prospects go and he came into the league at 23, and now look at him. He's one of the top 10 players in the league, and he's in his prime. So 
anything can happen. I'm not saying that will happen with Buddy Heald. I have, I my my judgment is that I think he's going to be a player that's solid, plays around the league for a while, um, and I don't think that the Kings organization, the Kings organization definitely doesn't have a good job of fostering talent and developing young talent. So that would again point to me maybe not believing in a player in a in Buddy Heald. Sorry growing and developing into this Steph Curry transcendent player that Vivek thinks he is. Steph Curry is such an anomaly. I hate the comparisons to Steph Curry and and LeBron James and any other great player for that matter. These guys are anomalies. They are freaks. There is a reason why they are so great. There is a reason why there, there are hundreds of players in the NBA, but only one of them. There's a reason. We've never seen Steph Curry before. We've never seen a guy like Curry doing what Curry does at the level he does. Um, And, you know, same with Kevin Durant. Same with LeBron James. We've never seen a small forward that can pass like magic, but but is just this overall just defensive force and offensive force. Just this, this, uh, honestly, beast of of an athlete. And so, again, stop comparing things to the anomaly. Um, stop comparing things to the anomaly. That's that's my point on that. So, anyways, just to speak on the dysfunction of the Kings, uh, Vlad, uh, Vlade Divac, rather, confirmed he had a better offer two days ago in the press conference announcing the trade. Why? I have no idea. The Kings are dysfunctional. But, with that being said, let me extend an owl branch to you Kings fans who are upset. The Kings are dysfunctional, yes. There's no debating that. But they're not entirely stupid. Of course, they passed up on better offers over the course of the year, including reports that Andre Drummond was offered for DeMarcus Cousins earlier earlier this season. Um, but here's why here's why they're doing it. One one big reason is they want to get their top ten pick from Chicago back. They have a top ten protected pick from Chicago. And they want to keep that pick. But the problem is, because of the Stauskas trade, which was a terrible trade for Sacramento, by the way, Philly has swap rights. So let's say even if uh, the Kings end up 14th or 13th in the lottery, but they get lucky and they jump to one like the Bulls did with Derrick Rose. If they do that, then Philly has swap rights. So Philly can just say, we have, what, the fifth or sixth pick right now, I think is what they'll have um, if if the draft pans out the way it's supposed to. Then they could swap, and then the Kings are, the Kings are well, well, you got a top five pick, congrats, but you could have had number one. So, you know, just, just again, total dysfunction, but it, it was a smart move by the Kings. I will give them that. It was a smart move. Because this is a very deep draft class. And you know what? This 2017 first round pick from New Orleans, it probably won't mean much because I imagine a team with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis will get to the playoffs. But if they don't, things break right. And then maybe you got two lottery picks in a in one of the best draft classes, what is being called one of the best draft classes of the last uh, two decades. So... Again, it, 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 that was that was smart on their part. But th- there's one thing, and I tweet I tweeted this and put it on Facebook, and I teased it all day. Th- this is the one thing I've heard, or not that I've heard that I haven't heard rather 
no one is talking about this and this could be the big implication this demarcus cousins trade could mean so much more it could mean jimmy butler it could mean paul george it could mean others being traded and here's why so the new cba that everybody loves because there was no lockout this current cba was designed like i said in the summer for those of you that don't know what i said in the summer I said that CBAs are always designed to beat the to they're designed by 29 teams to beat to beat the 30th team. It was the last CBA was all about beating the Heat. That's why the luxury tax bill came in because they knew the Heat organization did not want to pay that hefty luxury tax year after year after year, and so they implemented that tax to stop LeBron, Wade, and Bosh from being this super team dynasty that they were for the four years and it was ultimately part of the demise of why LeBron left Miami this and when I said this when Durant first signed the Warriors that this is going to be hell for the next CBA and everybody talked about how peaceful the CBA was and yes that's true the CBA was peaceful there was nowhere near a lockout um, but this CBA wanted to protect the small market team they wanted to protect the okc from losing their kd or the cleveland from losing their lebron and so they did this by instituting changes to the max contract offers where players that qualify and i believe it's like seven years pro for all-star appearances and you know some type of all nba recognitions uh but anyways it's it's um it's when it's when a team that drafts a player like Cousins with the Sacramento King or Paul George the Pacers, Jimmy Butler with the Bulls, etc. Those players can earn $70 million, up to $70 million more. So players can sign five-year. DeMarcus Cousins could have signed a five-year $210 million uh, contract this offseason. And that is massive. Now, part of that is the jump and the massive jump in salary cap. Yes, that's a huge part of it. But again, it's these implications. They basically up the percentages of the max and and they shortened uh, the length because there used to be the 10 year rule where players had to wait 10 years to really get that big payday contract. And it was almost like their third contract, but uh, it was always their third contract. But at the end of the day, the reason why the Kings or the reason why the Kings traded Cousins I think is because of this because of this deal because of this new CBA so the CBA was prevented to protect or was instituted to protect the Kings but I think it destroyed the Kings and here's why think about that five years 210 million dollars Paul George qualifies for two uh, five years 220 million or 219 million sorry so, you know, and, and so every every player can, you know, f- it fluctuates. But think about that number, just five years, $210 million. Take the Kings, for example. If you're a team with a player this chaotic, this, you know, dysfunctional, this just honestly insane player, DeMarcus Cousins, and you're consistently winning no more than 35 games a year, so you're not getting that playoff revenue, do you want to pay one player $210 million, especially if you're not a strong market? Imagine if you're OKC. Do you want to pay Russell Westbrook? He's a great player, but do you want to pay him $210 million over five years? 
is he really going to bring that much revenue to the team? Is he going to be that worth it? Not to mention Westbrook, which is, this is just a side note, but he's had three knee injuries. Uh, he's had three knee surgeries, rather. So you can imagine you can imagine the kind of caution. And with him being an older player, uh, there's obviously much more uh, ramifications there. But this is why this is so huge. Because I think this opens a floodgate for all these small markets that draft these good players. They're stuck in this hard place. Because to me, think about it. Think about this, and, I, and I'll pose this question to you guys. You, everyone can tweet me their responses. But how many players in the NBA are worth a $210 million contract? Let me just ask you that. A five-year $210 million contract. Let's keep it flat. Let's say that's the absolute max, and anybody can get it. How many players could uh, would you actually pay that money? Here's what I came up with. LeBron James, of course. LeBron is LeBron. Kevin Durant, again, a top 20 all-time player, just an insane, insane, unguardable machine. He's got a he's got an advantage over anybody who guards him. He's either too tall, too fast, too skilled, whatever. Um, just one of the greatest offensive weapons in NBA history. Kawhi Leonard, uh, one of the best defensive weapons in NBA history, one of the best perimeter defenders in NBA history. James Harden, we're seeing what he's doing with that supporting cast in, in Houston, right? He's worth $210 million. Carl Anthony Towns, obviously too young, obviously doesn't meet any of the criteria, but if we're saying in a vacuum who qualifies, Carl Anthony Towns would qualify. I would, I would throw him five years, $210 million right away at this age if, if I had to. I would absolutely do it. I think he's a trans... Uh, a, a generational star uh he's and he's so young too he's still figuring it out um so again that's why <laughs> all those other players paul george is he worth it jimmy butler is he worth it you know it, and it depends on the team it depends on how much revenue you traditionally make it depends on a lot of things it depends on how successful can that player be look at paul george if he doesn't have if if he doesn't have a lot of help, if he doesn't have a lot a lot of help, he's he's not a guy that's LeBron is a guy who will carry you to the playoffs. You throw LeBron on any team, and that team is going to the playoffs at the very very least. Not many other teams or not many other players can do that. Honestly, I think outside of those five players I named, no one else could really really do that. Maybe Steph Curry, but again, the reason I said I didn't say Steph Curry is because of the ankle injuries. I'm keeping that in context too, and Steph Curry's age as well. Towns, I don't think is there yet as a guy who can carry a team to a playoffs as we're seeing in Minnesota. But I think he can get there. I think he can be that player. James Harden, he is willing that Rockets team to where they are right now. They are not a damn thing without James Harden. Kawhi, the Spurs. Spurs would find a way to win somehow, but you just can't deny Kawhi's talent. Kawhi is a monster. You put him on any team right now, and that team is instantly 10 times better than they were. And, but Jimmy Butler, Paul George, are these guys really that 
level of talent. DeMarcus Cousins, are these guys really that level of talent? I don't think so. DeMarcus Cousins hasn't gotten to playoffs. Paul George, unless a great support, outside of a great supporting cast in a weak, and, and continually being in a weak conference, still hasn't managed to have a lot of success in the playoffs. And um, Jimmy Butler, this is his first time on his own, really. And the Bulls are a mess. Now, I don't put that on Jimmy. I put that on the construction of the team. But still, something to think about. And so, the Bulls, the, and for the record, the Bulls are a very notoriously cheap organization. They are notoriously cheap. Um, reports are they're not trying to trade them right now. I'll get into that later. But a, a team... This, you're talking about a team and an organization in Chicago that didn't dip into the luxury tax when you had uh, Tom Thibodeau, Derrick Rose, Joaquin Noah. They only dipped into it once in the span of, I believe, four or five years. So, again, this is a team, or this is an organization, rather, that does not like to spend money. And that $210 million, that's a lot. Um, now, again, Jimmy Butler is different case because under his contract he's two three years away but Paul George is interesting because Paul George is in the same situation as DeMarcus Cousins he is set to be in free, a free agent in 20 in uh 2018 or sorry 2017 2018 he'll be a free agent but this offseason he can uh he can start to talk about the extension so it'll be interesting to see if they trade him I'm just saying this opens the door because I don't know how many teams, how many organizations want to spend that kind of money to get a guy like a Paul George, like a DeMarcus Cousins. That's what it's going to take to keep them. And you know what? I don't know if they're worth it. I don't know. That's something for you guys to debate. So, again, the DeMarcus Cousins trade, let's talk about what it means for the Pelicans. Cousins and Davis, in theory, should blend well together over time because of their wide skill set. I mean, both players can dive and pop and score from the post or face up or pass the ball. So if they get better shooters, their floor spacing can be phenomenal. They could even run a five-out offense if they want to. Or they could throw three-in, two-out, or sorry, three-out, two-in, uh, you know, traditional style and pound the hell out of it, out of the post and the offensive glass and get major second chance points. The The question I have here is Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry is a great coach. He's an offensive guru. He is, he is not the, I wouldn't call him the architect of the Warriors offense and what it is now, but he was a, uh, he was a key component in the construction of that offense. Because if you remember, he was a lead assistant for the Warriors the year Steve Kerr was hired and um, and the Warriors obviously won their first title. So under that context, he he's he's just a widely renowned offensive beast. I mean, there, there there's the running joke that he could get a corpse open. You know, I mean I mean the guy is just the guy is just so offensively gifted. But with that being said, he seems to be an offensive mind when it comes to guards. 
he seems to know how to run an offense through guards. I don't know if he knows how to run an offense through big men. But, you know, I think I think he'd give him a shot because Cousins is Davis. I've said this before, and, and it sounds like a joke, but it's true. Cousins and Davis are guards trapped in the body of a center. They really are. Davis played point guard in high school. I mean, these these guys can dribble the ball. They can pass the ball. Not to the level of the elite guards, but they can do it better than most of the average guards, which is insane. So um, so they, they have some guard-like qualities, but it, obviously you're not, if you're Alvin Gentry, you're not having Cousins and Davis bring the ball up every play, run the offense type. You do have Drew Holiday, which is a really good guard. So that is very interesting. That is, he's he's a fantastic point guard when healthy. I like Drew Holiday a lot. So um, it will be interesting to see how he works. But it will be interesting to see how Alvin Gentry decides if he is a coach long term. Because I kind of think that this DeMarcus Cousins trade and Davis trade, I think it shifts away from what Alvin Gentry wants. Alvin Gentry is usually a pace and space guy. And while Cousins and Davis can space, and they can uh, and they can pace. That's not what's best for this team. Like this team is not a team that should be running nonstop. When you have Cousins and Davis, when you have that kind of front court, you should play a slower tempo. Um, you you can push the ball at, at will. You can push the ball from time to time, but but you should be for the most part a half court team when you have that amount of size and skill that that those those players are best utilized in half court offense not transition offense um as far as defense goes this could work really well now i have this crazy running theory so if if we assume that boogie takes the center position because davis has never been willing to play center um nor does he want uh nor does nor, nor do i think he should with his frail body i should say because um, he's had he's had quite the injury history, but so Cousins playing center, Anthony Davis. Imagine um, what if Anthony Davis? What if they just tell him, "You're a free safety. Just run around, contest shots, leak out for easy dunks. Just be a freak." Boogie is one of the best rebounders in the game. He can handle the glass. So give Boogie. Get, let Boogie get those rebounds and fling it out to Anthony Davis, who's already running down the floor, or Drew Holiday, who leaks it, who then uh, forwards it to Anthony Davis. You know, what, whatever. Um, again, push the ball off the off the uh, off the defensive rebound. They could do that, and Anthony Davis could be a monster on defense. He could be just if he was just this crazy super help defender. He can get with his size speed and athleticism he can get almost anywhere so quickly um i any he can get anywhere on the basketball court so quickly so it's very interesting to see if him playing like this over uber help defense what he could do and how good this uh this team could be because i don't think you need both cousins and davis on the glass i really don't i with with how with how good Davis is and how good Cousins is at rebounding, it, it's kind of like the Pistons with Andre Drummond. They don't need much more than Andre Drummond rebounding the ball, you know. So again, just something to think about. The defensive side is going to be very interesting. Cousins has not been a necessarily willing defensive participant, but 
maybe if Anthony Davis does some of the dirty work, maybe that will get Cousins to play a little bit better defense. Maybe he's now motivated by his new situation. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure how defensively it'll work, but I'm very confident that offensively over time, you give these guys a summer camp, a whole offseason of playing together, I think the league could be in very in, in, in big trouble. All right, so it's already 39 minutes. I don't want to go too much longer. Uh, I'll just hit some other trade talk. So here are some notes I have, and let me check my phone. To okay, awesome. No, no trade updates have happened. So um, hopefully, none update by the time I uh, by the time I export this podcast and get it up. So let's start with this: the Bulls are denying talks to Celtics, but Celtics seem to be confirming talks. It's interesting because the Bulls are a dysfunctional organization. So do I believe they're shopping Jimmy Butler? I don't know about shopping, but I believe they're definitely listening. The Celtics the Celtics like to say, I mean, if you, it's a running joke in the NBA that the Celtics, you know, every time a superstar is on the block or even close to being on the block, the Celtics have already had talks with them. They're, the, they're always the first to leak any major star on the trading block. They always do it because for years they've been pushing to get that blockbuster deal. Danny Ainge wants that blockbuster deal. Um, so so I don't know how credible it is. Um, do I think they have the assets? Yes. I think they, they clearly have the assets to get Jimmy Butler. I wouldn't trade Jimmy Butler personally because he is a top 10 talent and he is in his prime. And even if you get the number one pick from Brooklyn... And, and even if that pick does turn out to be number one, who's to say that seven, eight years from now that that player that you get in that draft will be better than Jimmy Butler, will be a top five player? Because that's what he would have to be in order to be better than Jimmy Butler. And would it be worth sacrificing those seven, eight years? You get what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think when you have a talent like Jimmy Butler, I think you should just go for it. And, you know, if you if you don't get the win, whatever, if you don't get the championship, whatever, just uh, the least you can do is get playoff revenue and go for it because who knows, LeBron could tweak an ankle and, you know, DeMar DeRozan could tweak an ankle and, you know, like every team could have an injury uh, that because that's what it takes for Chicago to compete right now. But um, but no, if, if seriously, if you give Jimmy Butler a better supporting cast, I think. I think the Bulls could be a contender. Um, better coach, better supporting cast. I think they could be a contender. But for now, they are a dumpster fire. Um, but anyways, yeah, interesting to say the least. Now, the Pelicans have also inquired about Paul George. And this would be very, very interesting. Because if they got Paul George too, that would be the first time we've seen a super team formed at a trade deadline. Not only is it the first time that we're seeing arguably the two best big men in the NBA on the same team, but also throw in one of the best wing players, the Warriors would be in actual serious trouble because you can stick Paul George on, on Steph Curry or Clay, uh, whoever you want, and then you could stick um, Anthony Davis on Kevin Durant. I'm not entirely sure how that would work. Obviously, Durant wouldn't be able to post him up, but Anthony Davis would... Anthony Davis has the size, height, and athleticism to stick with Durant, so that would be interesting. Um, and then DeMarcus Cousins, 
on who on the Warriors would guard DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis for that matter. So very, very interesting. Um, it it would be it would make a hell of a first round series. I'll I'll put it to you like that. Um, so I so I hope it happens. But you know that's just a fantasy. For now, it seems like the Pacers plan on keeping him. Uh, that could change though. Staring at that two hundred million dollar contract, like I said, that two hundred plus million dollar contract sure will make you think. Uh, Jahil Okafor was linked to the Pelicans, but not anymore. Some reports even suggest that the package that the Kings got was what Philly declined, which is hilarious if Philly declined that package for Jahil Okafor and that package turned into to Marcus Cousins. That is a huge win for the Pelicans. Huge win for the Pelicans. Um, Lopez is linked heavily with Indiana, and again, that's more proof that the Pacers have seemed to be committed to Paul George, even though Paul George has yet to commit to the team. Uh, and it's also important to note that Jahil Okafor has been linked to the Pacers as well. If I was the Pacers, I would prefer Brook Lopez over Jahil Okafor, uh, but that's that's just me. It depends on the asking price, what you can get. Maybe you can get Jahil Okafor and another piece for the price of Brook Lopez because it seems like the Nets, by all reports, want two first-round picks, and I don't think Lopez is that. Because if you got DeMarcus Cousins for one non-lottery first-round pick, you can't get Brook Lopez is not worth no damn two first-round picks. That's just that's just outrageous. Um, other news: This is not a trade, but Chris Paul agrees in verbally to sign a two hundred plus million dollar contract with the Clippers. So, the Clippers are committing to Chris Paul. That's a sign to me that the Clippers are sticking with this team now it's interesting to see if they'll stick with Blake I don't know if they will I think this means they will but I'm not entirely sure Boston has reportedly offered uh uh Crawford Brad uh Avery Bradley and a future first for Blake which is a hell of a package but again I don't I don't see it happening because of the Chris Paul deal maybe that's a deal that happens in the offseason via sign and trade also it is linked that uh, uh Wilson Chandler is being pursued by the Clippers as well, which would be a fantastic get for the Clippers if they could get that. Um, again, I again, if if I'm if I'm the Clippers, I do see the enticement of that of that trade from Boston because that would that would significantly upgrade their wing positions uh, and and give them a little bit of depth, which would be real nice for for the Clippers to have because that's something that they've lacked forever. But the problem with that trade is star players are star players man like to me i think especially when it comes to playoffs the more stars you have the better Uh, you know that's why i'm not so scared about this lack of depth that the warriors has yeah it's scary because but as long as the big four stay healthy they're fine they're going to be they're going to be a team that makes it till june if if the big four stay healthy so um Again, I I just I believe personally in star power. I believe in I believe in star power. Um, I don't believe in like the the whole like a bunch of role players. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that Blake Griffin is just clouds and planets better than Crawford or Bradley. So I wouldn't do that trade. Um. Uh, another thing I wanted to say is that 
There is a three-team trade rumor with Derrick Rose to the Wolves, Rubio to Detroit, and Jackson, Reggie Jackson, that is, to the New York Knicks. This, to me, seems like a fan rumor. It seems like, oh, let's reunite Derrick Rose with Tom Thibodeau in the Bulls. Oh, Detroit, you're unhappy with, with Reggie Jackson? Here, take Ricky Rubio and send uh, send Reggie Jackson to New York. You know, um, I don't know. I Maybe this has some validity to it. I tend to think it does because it was reported by uh, Mark Stein. Mark Stein is not, you know, no slouch when it comes to this uh, trade talk stuff. So, so I believe that there is some, I guess, validity to it. But I, I, I think it was probably just something that was offered by New York or, or Minnesota, and because I do know, I do know that I will say this, I do know that Tibbs loves Derrick Rose, and so I don't laugh at, I don't totally laugh at the idea of Thibodeau wanting Derrick Rose back again because they seem to have a good. Uh, connection they seem to really like each other and like playing for and with each other um, but as far as Detroit goes I know they are looking to they're definitely looking to shop Reggie Jackson but I'm not entirely sure uh, that Rubio is the guy that Detroit wants um, so we'll see um, Reggie Jackson speaking of Reggie Jackson has also been linked to Orlando uh, it's been suggested that uh, in a trade for Jeff Green and DJ Augustine. To me, this is just a this is just clearly a a way to free up massive long term cap. Reggie Jackson is in the second year of his eighty million dollar contract. Jeff Green has a one year, I believe it's ten or fifteen million dollar contract, something along those lines. And so again, it would just be it would just essentially grant Detroit. A bunch of extra cap space but I wouldn't do it if I was Detroit because it's the same reason why Detroit shouldn't let KCP walk is because of the the rules and restrictions of when you go over the cap and Detroit is over the cap already so they can't they're gonna sign KCP to 20 million dollars but they can't sign a 20 million dollar shooting guard so I so the way that works is like a team can only go over to sign their own players. So if the, if KCP signs with Philly or whatever, and Detroit decides not to match it, the, they could only sign like a two million dollar shooting guard as opposed to a twenty million dollar. So you can imagine that they're not going to get the Pistons are not going to get a better shooting guard than KCP point blank. So that's why uh, that that that's why I don't see Reggie that that same principle is why I don't see Reggie Jackson being traded is because Reggie Jackson, again, Detroit wouldn't be able to go out and get like an $18, $15 million point guard. They would have to get a $2 million point guard, a $3 million point guard, or whatever it is. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But essentially, they would have to get, you know, a, a third, they would have to get a, a third string point guard in terms of price for a uh, for Reggie Jackson. So I don't see that happening unless they get a long-term starting point guard that they can build with in the future. And I don't see I don't see Reggie Jackson being traded for some upcoming point guard that could be a franchise point guard. I don't see that happening if I uh if I'm Detroit. So, I I would hang on to Reggie at least for now. Um and so the last thing I wanted to say is that Toronto has been quiet. Toronto did make the Baka move, but I believe they're far from done. 
they seem to be, and reports around the league say this too, that they seem to be all in. I think they smell blood with Cleveland with all these injuries, and I think they're going for it, especially with Kyle Lowry becoming a free agent this year. I don't think they think he's going to leave, but I think they think, I think that if they, they want to present to him that they are doing everything in their power to win a championship. And so with that being said, I think they're going to try and trade one of their first round picks and maybe get another role player or a wing. Specifically, I would imagine they would go for a wing player, maybe another center. Uh, maybe they're not all too geeked about having a Bach at the center position, but I tend to think they are. I think a Bach at the center is a great move for them. So I would look to upgrade a guard or wing position if I was Toronto and you could do that for a first. I mean, we've seen Lou William get acquired for a first. That was somebody Toronto was le- linked to. So, again, keep a lookout for Toronto. I think they're far from uh, done making moves. And I think Boston Boston will make some type of move, whether it's a blockbuster or not. I, they're definitely pushing for that blockbuster trade. But if they don't, I think they are going to make some type of trade just to kind of uh, catch themselves up with Toronto, who made the Serge Ibaka move. Okay, wow, so a 52-minute podcast as I'm finishing recording this. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. This is another episode of Strictly Hoop Talk. Again, I promise I will have an NBA podcast for you Thursday, uh, breaking down the trade deadline. And um, my Strictly Hip Hop episode will be up either Thursday or Friday. Stay tuned to my Twitter hand, my Twitter and Facebook as well as Snapchat for updates on that. And you can find me on uh, Facebook at Chris Platty. Just search Chris Platty. You can even, if you just Google search Chris Platty, the first three things that will pop up is my Facebook profile, a link to my iTunes version of the podcast, and a link to my Twitter. And so um, through there, you can find... Uh, through there, you can find everything, uh, all, all links to Podbean as well, where Android Android listeners can listen to the podcast. And uh, again, you can find all the links there by Google searching Chris Platty. Again, Platty is spelled P-L-A-T-T-E. That is, I believe, the easiest way to find my, my content. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, I also am heavy on Twitter, and you can find all my content on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at crispy1132 that's c-h-r-i-s-p-y-1132 so thank you everyone for listening and i will be back with more podcasts later this week Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.